And you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. The PGA Championship is just days away, so the cut line decided to take in house money and go over his bet strategies for the PGA Championship, things that he uses week in, week out, ways to make you more money. We are with House Money, the free tout, on Twitter to get you huge money at the Sportsbook. Let's break it down. We are with arguably the best gambling tout on Twitter. I mean, second to none, hands down, sheer gloriousness, like a ray of God's light. We are like heavy lifting here. We are with house money. Hey, Mike, what's up, man? That's some uh, pretty effusive praise there, my friend. I really appreciate that. Well, truth is warranted. Is it not? Praise is warranted. You've made so many people so much money for free. Right. Right. Yeah, man. You continue to do it for free. Yeah. No no plans to change that anytime soon. I'm a man of the people. I'm not going to be charging anybody for picks. I love it. I love it. So if you're not following, House Money 16 on Twitter. Well, it's obviously something you should be doing right now. Absolutely, it is. If you like making money betting on golf, then you should go and do it today. <laughs> do it right now. But yeah, if you don't know who House Money is, it's my man Jeff, Jeff Householder. And you can find him at House Money 16 on Twitter. The guy is a money maker. You want first round leaders, you want winners, you want picks, top 20, top 10, top five. You want missed cuts. You want the sharpest information at a at a sports book, which by the way, if you're not involved in golf sports books, it's ridiculous. You have no excuse. It's it's it, you can access Bovada at any time, anywhere in the world. Why aren't you on there? Why aren't you on there? You're doing it wrong if you're not betting on golf, man. I'll tell you that. So just a little bit of quick background, Mike. So I'm real old school, man. I got my start gambling on sports when I was a teenager. The local pizza shop that I could work to walk to from my house was a front for the local bookie, right? So he's taking action. We are obviously all about gambling 24-7. I started handicapping using newspapers, man. We were handicapping football games using the stats available in a black and white newspaper, just to give you an idea. So back then we were creating spreadsheets with the basic offensive and defensive team stats, right? In 2019, when there were no other sports to bet on, 
we discovered that we could create spreadsheets in the same way for golf, but make them much more complex and much more predictive. So that's kind of my whole background as to how I got into the golf stuff. Been handicapping all sports, primarily football, for 20 years. And we've been making these spreadsheets at least 15, 16 years. And like I said, man, when golf was the only thing to bet on, that's when we realized, oh, shit, we can actually use this for golf in a much more applicable and predictive way than we were able to do with football, man. I I love the way that you create simplicity in in your perspective of gambling because – Everything in modern sports is about analytics and about more, 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 more. And that creates such distraction from what could be like a potential easy pick or play. And nothing's guaranteed in sports. Nothing's guaranteed in sports. But I love the simplicity in your nature. The second thing that I pointed out with you talking about newspapers, (laughs) like – I mean, it's you got to be what seventy nine. I'm dating myself, man. You know, I was born (laughs) in eighty (laughs) six, bro. I was born in eighty six, so you know, early two thousands. We're sitting there in the pizza shop, uh, you know, passing yards against, um, rushing yards against, real basic stuff. Updating a spreadsheet, you know, with handwritten pieces of paper every week, and then we discovered, okay, so guys are writing about what are the key stats at this course. I'm going to look into each individual key stat and create a spreadsheet where every single guy in the field, I look up his season ranking. And, you know, this week we did strokes gained around the green, off the tee and approach, which is very, very rare. I never do that. I think that's a second or third time. I used all three major tee to green stroke gain categories. Also, of course, looked at uh, bogey avoidance and scrambling, you know. So as you can see, I am really focused on the short game here. I didn't get a chance to read your course report, but I'm pretty sure you're looking very closely at short game stats this week too, right, Mike? Absolutely. For this week, well, one of the main key stats I started with was fairway accuracy. Sure. And and I think that with the wind and, and wind players as well, all yeah. my models were based on that volatile wind. I wanted to get my guys, you know, through the cut, at least to make some money at the sports book. That's where I wanted to start. Um, but one thing I, I noticed recently, and it's been very frustrating for me, is that golf has been very predictive and has had a strong correlation to that predictiveness. And we're talking about like the last eight weeks. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm like, come on, come on. How, when's this trend going to change? And I'm very practical in that. I'm like, it shouldn't be this easy. And I know, <laughs> I, I know you got guys that like follow you around. Like, like, like uh, Tommy is one of them, Tommy football. And Love I was telling guy. Tom and I was like, Tom, it shouldn't be this easy. Something's going to, mess up we're gonna hit a big number somewhere because something's not gonna work right so that that that's one thing i'm looking at but yeah some of the stats that you're talking about i love around the green absolutely Absolutely. this week um one narrative that i'm focusing on is guys who went to oklahoma state oh okay 
Okay, because they're an hour away. They played this course a lot. I'm sure they played it a lot before it got redone in 2017, but I don't what care. What about There's... OU? What about Oklahoma? I don't know. It's a little further away. No, sure. I took the whole Sun Belt. I did. I took Texas, too. Not you know, Hovland, though, right? Yeah, we do. We, we got we to gotta look at Hovland. We got to. We got to. But Man, that chipping off those uneven lines, off those tight – areas around the green i just can't see hawkland this week unless his greens and regulation percentage is like 85 percent, which would be absolutely absurd i honestly think man there's a pretty good chance with 40 mile an hour wins you're going to see a greens and regulation percentage below 55 i honestly think with 40 40 mile per hour gusts that they're going to have a postponement similar to the players sure yeah and we're going to see it on saturday yeah and we, we won't even see round two start till saturday and it won't matter because the last thing the PGA Championship wants is something like that. And 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 right. I was listening to uh, a bunch of uh, podcasts this week, and a lot of them were talking about these like really short, like like fast stint meters on the greens. I'm like, 14 it's not going to work. It's no, not going to work. Can't do that because if the wind's blowing, it is not going to work. You can't do it. The ball's going to blow. You're going to have to postpone the tournament until the wind dies down so yep. if that's the case boom we're not playing round two till saturday i'm good with that i'll bank on that i'll take hovland's approach game i'll take the oklahoma state kind of concept and all that stuff okay so, man okay i'm but, curious to see how many guys like or people in general like hovland this week you know because well not I a think, lot not a lot no, because of that narrative. Because, i wouldn't because think of what you're so. saying about the around the green game I mean, they're talking about you missing the green ever so slightly and the ball rolling 50 yards off the green. So now you basically have a short approach shot after having landed the ball on the green, right? So those tightly mowed areas around the green are so fast. If you catch the wrong slope, now you're rolling 25, 30, 50 yards off the green that's a tough, awkward shot, right? That requires a lot of touch. And, you know, I don't know if a guy like Hovland has that in his repertoire. Having said that, I think to your point and others who like Hovland, if he hits 85% of the greens while everyone else is hitting 50, it doesn't fucking matter. No, it doesn't. All right. We're, we're getting ahead of ourselves. We right. Gotta, we got to play our game. We got to yeah. play our game. The game we do with every guest on the cut line, and we're going to do it right now. Let's All right. Do it's, it. our, it's our four for four, par four question of course everyone loves question three but we'll get to question three after question one and two sure but we're going to start with question one all right minus augusta national minus augusta national because that's everyone's dream course because it's so exclusive everything like that oh of course you got one course in the world you get to play once a week for the rest of your life what course is it Easy. Harbor Town. Harbor Town is absolutely beautiful, man. And it looks not gettable, but it's not massively long and extremely intimidating. I just think Harbor Town has got it all. I love Harbor Town. I love the RBC. Oh, I man, love how I, I love the randomness of it, honestly. Like Yeah. Like Holter popping up. Coocher. Holter at like CT Pan's got a win there. Yeah. Like it's like, it's like Yeah. Yeah. So it's fun. Dustin Johnson going in with a six stroke lead and blowing that on a Sunday. Yeah, like it was fantastic. Okay. I yeah, love I RBC. It. I love RBC. That That's a great call. Okay. So question two, you got to have 
any player put a 10 foot 10 foot birdie to win you 10 grand what player are you having that 10 foot putter make it man you'd be crazy not to say tiger because tiger made so many clutch putts his whole life his whole career it's got to be tiger even though he's not necessarily the best putter of all time he's tiger woods it's tiger good pick tiger all right definitely all right Whew, man, I hate to even say it, but Sneds was nails. Snedeker, if I'm really going pure putting ability, it would be Snedeker. But just because of his clutch gene, eye of the tiger, pun intended, it's Tiger Woods. Okay, question three. Here we go. You open up CBD porn and breakfast shop. Okay. Okay. You got to open this place up with any PGA golfer. Okay, we're talking about like CBD gummies, breakfast, and everything like that. Now, moving a little bit further, you guys are going to turn this into a sitcom. Oh, nice. Okay. I like this. What golfer are you going to take to do this experience with you? Also, very easy answer. Pat Perez, man. I don't think you'll find. <laughs> yeah, got to be Pat. You probably can't find anyone on Twitter that likes any one golfer as much as I like Pat Perez, man. That's the guy. That's my guy. That'd be amazing. I'd do anything just to have dinner with the guy. Shit. All right. So on the sitcom, though, like who's playing you? Who's going to play me? Who's going to act as you? Oh man, I thought I got to hang out with Pat, you know, check what out. What do you do? Control. You do in real life. Like it's a real life experience. Yeah. And then they're going to do the sitcom. I, I have to go Jason Bateman. I'm a big Jason Bateman fan nowadays. Ozark is amazing. And I think that, uh, you know, he's pretty funny and dry. I'd like right. to think that I'm kind of like that. I don't know. So assuming Pat Perez can't play himself. Who's playing Pat? Shit, I think John Stamos fits the bill right there. That'd be a perfect... Isn't he too good looking? Yeah, maybe, maybe. But I I feel like that's something that Pat Perez would be into. A guy like uh, John Stamos playing him. Not bad, not bad. All right, last last one. Yeah, man. Finish the foursome. You get to golf. Any PGA player in history, you and three other PGA pros, who are you picking? Me and three other PGA pros, huh? That's a good question. I really like Max Hama. I think Max Hama would be an interesting guy to play around with, have a couple beers with. He seems cool as hell. I also would really, really love to talk to Phil right now, right? I mean, playing around with Phil Mickelson would be absolutely fascinating. I don't know, obviously, how much he'd tell you, but I'm sure his life is very interesting at the moment. And then uh, also James Hahn. James Hahn is cool as hell, man. I can hear you eating those chips, man. I love that. Now I'm a big James Hahn fan after last week, you know. That was pretty cool, man. He does that too. He'll two or three in a row, top ten. So be on the lookout for him next time he's in the field. I love those. I love those picks. I. That's really like new school, though. I'm kind of surprised. All like new you, guys, yeah. Like you got all new guys that get to finish the foursome with, and like you're doing all that stuff with. Like that's interesting choice to do that with. 
Um, All new guys. Yeah, you know, it, man. you know, man, honestly, when I was growing up, I didn't follow golf. Um, I'm, you know, I'm from Pittsburgh. I'm from like a small mill town outside of Pittsburgh. Like the older dudes in my life were not golf fans. I didn't get into golf until I was like 20, 22. So like with the, with the pizza shop that you said you were part of, yeah, like you guys literally took these sports lines, broke them down, broke them into spreadsheets and created this simple process of breaking down sporting lines. Yeah. And, and it worked and, perfectly. And, and it started to cut, started to cut you off real quick. I love the simplicity concept. Yeah. It was very simple. Very simple. Because because now you go to like Fanshare Sports, you go to you go to Fantasy National, you go to Roto Grinders, you go to Awesome, you go to every single like touting website, and it's detail, 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 right. detail. And like, do you apply these concepts to to other sports like baseball, football, everything like that? Yes, my brother he does all the K props. So when we started this House Money sixteen account, I was doing the golf. He was doing strictly strikeout prop bets because it's also a very simple, excuse me, system that you can use to predict stuff there, man. So pretty much just those two things, though. And just four or five years ago, I was betting on everything indiscriminately and, you know, varying degrees of success. Now I don't bet on anything except for golf. I, I do some of the K props and some futures bets like win totals and stuff, but 95% of my action is golf. That's fantastic. All right, let's, let's, let's break down this PGA championship. Let's do it. Yeah, man, let's definitely do it. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right. So the PGA championship breakdown, first of all, we are not talking about outrights right now. I mean, we'll, we'll talk about long shots. We'll, we'll get into probably some long shots at some sure. point during this whole discussion, but we are not talking about outrights because guess what? You missed the fucking number. You, you missed definitely missed the number like six months ago. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys missed... been talking about what outrights they have in this tournament for at least two months. So exactly. Like if you're looking to get like outright numbers right now, outright plays, that's fine. Like if you want to take Scheffler 12 to one, go ahead. It's your money, but you could have got last. I looked last. I looked at Scheffler for this particular major. I was pretty sure I saw 50 to one, man. Yeah, I bet. But you mean before uh, Phoenix, before he won waste management, it was before he won Augusta. Yeah. So after, wow, I believe it, man. I mean, seriously, I can say when I was wrong, I think it was December or January, I sent a big whole thread about how Scheffler couldn't win and he had only won twice since his freshman year of high school, which was true. He won those couple of tournaments on the Corn Ferry Tour. He did not win at all his junior and senior year of college, which now seems absolutely unfathomable, but that's a different story. I feel like I treat Scheffler now like I was treating Rom like six months ago. I just kind of ignore him because his odds are so low. There's just no way I'm going to fucking bet on him. I'm just not. I don't care how good he is. I know for the fantasy guys, you can't ignore anyone. 
because it's all about ownership and, uh, you know, finding guys that are under-owned, et cetera. But for me, I, I can't go there with Scheffler right now. The price is just too low, man. Placements, no, the, markets included. The price is way steep on, on Scotty Scheffler, who is right now, without a doubt, player of the year. Oh, God, man. Yeah. How often does someone win four times in a year? Not that often. When's the last time? I can't remember. I saw, but I can't four, remember. Four times in a year? Yeah. It has to be Tiger. Uh, yeah, it's definitely Tiger. But I can't remember, you know, how long ago that was. Probably damn near 10 years. Wasn't it 2013 he had a ridiculous year? Probably then. It, it was something. It, it, it obviously was Tiger. I don't even remember the last time we thought about someone winning four times a year. But And is he I, really going to go the rest of the year without winning again? Like he likely gets to five, right? I really think there's a really good potential that he could win this year. I mean, you're in the Sun Belt, right? That's yeah. where he's from. Yeah. Uh, it, it just feels like him or Jordan Spieth. Like if you're going to look at the top players, definitely like it's him or Jordan Spieth. But we are not here to talk about outrights. No, we are let, not. Let, let, let's clarify that right now because I know there's people who are like honing in on the show saying like, who's going to be the winner? Who's going to be the fucking winner so I can cash big? Guess what? You missed the fucking number. You, you missed did, it. man. The you number did. was weeks ago. Weeks ago. Months ago when you were trying to get these numbers. And, you know, top 40s are kind of my thing. I'm pretty sure anyone who's watching this because they follow me and my picks already knows that. That's my core competency. When I first started posting picks on Twitter, I wasn't even posting outrights. And people had a lot of commentary about that, man. They did not like that. Matter of fact, a year ago at this time, I would say the vast majority of betting cards did not include any placements. Or if they did, it was like an each way type of deal where I bet this guy outright in top five. Anyway, as far as top 40 plays go this week, you know, long shot guys further down the board. I already tweeted about these two guys, so they're definitely the top two T40 plays for me. That's Tommy Fleetwood and Seabez uh, Bazudenhunt. Bazudenhunt played extremely well last week, much to my chagrin, as I was looking to fade him since he's like 198th in birdie or better percentage this year, shows up to the biggest birdie fest on tour and finishes inside the top 15. So what does that tell you, Mike? If a guy is on a course where he typically is not going to play well, but he gets very good results, man, everything is working for him. And Fleetwood. So one of the things that I like to do that I think is a little unconventional is after I've looked at everyone's comp course history, I'll go through and add up the number of times they finish top 40, you know, relative to their total number of starts on comp courses. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I don't know about you, man, but I think anything beyond like 2015, 2016 is kind of irrelevant. Like the guy was likely a different player. So I don't really look beyond that. What do you think about that? I try to give myself a, a four year window, five okay. year max. And then of yeah. course I, I change it with age. Sure. Like like the older a player gets, the less I validate it. Absolutely. So uh, as I like to joke, it's called strokes gained old. <laughs> um, I like that. I like all that. Right. All right. So, so let, let's stick with these two plays. 
we're we're gonna stick with like Fleetwood and Bez. Okay. So okay. these top these top forty plays, like what is standing out to you for these guys? Because looking at their stats, and I and I'm just I'm I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate here Do on that. purpose. I'm doing Do it that. on purpose because people are gonna say, well, why the hell would I bet these guys? <laughs> of like course, Fleetwood man. ranks sixty second in approach in the field. Baz rank, ranks fifty third in the field in approach. Sounds like sure, right. Fleetwood's awesome around the green oh, as yeah. he always is, but he sucks at ball striking. What the hell do you make me think that I'm going to play Fleetwood and Bez in this field as a top forty play? And then okay. you know, hang on, and I'm going to get even further to those people who are really dumb. <laughs> they're going to be people who be like, "Well, Fleetwood missed the cut last year at the PJ Championship. Oh, well, no. I want to play him? Those guys. <laughs> those yeah, guys. well." Buddy, it's a different golf course they're playing this year, just so you know. And Kiowa Island and, oh, man, Southern Hills are so much different. It's right on the ocean. It's almost resort golf at Kiowa. I wasn't a big fan of that. Anyway, so what I was getting at there with adding up the number of times they finished T40 is I'll go through and see how many times this guy started on all the comp courses in the last five, six years, nothing older than 2016 at this point, and then see how many times he finished top 40, right? So Fleetwood, 22 starts on comp courses in the last five, six years. 16 mm-hmm. times he finished top 40, right? So you're talking about the simplicity of this type of handicapping. So exactly why he finished top 40 in all of those starts doesn't really make as much of a difference to me as the fact that he fucking did it, right? So 16 out of 22 times on similar courses he finished top 40. Now, as far as the similar courses go, the main thing that I'm looking at when I try to identify comp courses is scoring conditions, right? So if this is going to be a course where the winning score is five, six under, it's really difficult scoring conditions. I want to look at places like Bay Hill and PGA National and Riviera, where the winning score is usually, you know, eight to 10 under par. This week, I was looking at Shinnecock. They played the 2018 U.S. Open there. Augusta is absolutely the number one comp, don't you think? Like, oh, hands down, hands yeah. down. The bent grass greens, the topography of the of the course, the undulating of the greens. Like, you, you're aiming for a spot, right? You're not aiming for pins. Exactly. Like, like exactly. exactly. I I had Shinnecock in the course report. I had Augusta in there. Let's keep We're, going. Let's keep Col- rolling. Colonial and Memorial Park, Texas. Similar, uh, you know, designers, of course. Uh, also was looking at Winged Foot and Concession and Congaree were pretty sneaky. Difficult scoring conditions last year. I think Higo won uh, only 11 under. You see all those bogeys on the back nine on Sunday. Uh, also the three that I just mentioned, Bay Hill, PGA National, and Riviera. So, and those one, two, three, four, five six, seven, eight, nine, ten courses. A couple of them, it was only one event, right? Like Shinnecock and Winged Foot, for example. Those 10 courses, Fleetwood's played 22 times in the last five, six years, finished top 40, 16 of those 22 starts. And if you're not looking closely at Augusta history, specifically for placement bets, then you're not doing it right this week. You absolutely should be looking at how these guys played at Augusta. 
Fleetwood, I don't think people talk a lot about Fleetwood's success at the Masters, man, because he hasn't had that real, real top-end finish. But Tommy Fleetwood, the last five years, T14, T46, T19, T36, T17, right? So three of the last five years, he's finished top 20 at Augusta. And then I think it's Bay Hill where he's just ridiculous. He's finishing top 20 every single time. Or no, that might be Seabaz, who has the crazy um, course history at Bay Hill. No, it, it is Fleetwood. T20, T10, cut, T3, T26, T10 at Bay Hill. And yes, of course, Bay Hill has all the water, and it's a little bit of a different golf course. But this year specifically, there was a lot of wind, right? And mm-hmm. we're expecting like 40 mile an hour winds, which is insane. Like you said, they're probably going to have to, you know, have a delay at some point. So, you know, real quick, we talk about how I do it a little simpler than a lot of other guys. If you go to Fantasy National, for example, you can do like strokes gained in windy conditions. Well, why don't you just look at how the fucking guys did at the windiest events in the last couple of years? It does the same goddamn thing. So I think there are a few things that it's really, really useful for if you're into fantasy, but if you are just gambling, there are ways to simulate a lot of those stats that they give you automatically. And uh, Fleetwood played well, of course, T20 at Bay Hill, and he also, he was really good at the players as well. And of course, that was just a total nightmare weather-wise this year. Um, and I... Just just to, to, to emphasize one point that I love about what you do is that you focus solely on the gambling side of yep. PGA. Absolutely. Where I'll look at someone and I have to diversify my portfolio per se, right? Like I got to say like, well, I'll play them in DFS, but I'm not going to bet them. Or I'll bet them, yeah. but I won't play them in DFS. And then I, I've heard mixed, you know, mixed reviews. Like, okay, well, I'm, if I'm betting them, I'm betting them to win, so I'm going to play them in DFS. Sure. Where, where, where I think that's that 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 is a smart way to do it as well. It just it just doesn't make sense to way where you could diversify your betting strategy to get yeah. leverage and then go into DFS and go get get different. It it it's kind of like. It's not apples to apples, obviously. No. It's apples to oranges, and it's completely different. And people got to embrace that, that the betting side of PGA is different than DFS because there's no price point attached to them other exactly. than the number giving to them at the sports book. And exactly. so you talk about Tommy Fleetwood at the top 40. You don't care if he finishes first or 40th as long as he finishes top 40. Who exactly. cares? And I think people get lost in that concept. I really do. I really think they think like, okay, I don't think Tommy Fleetwood could win. So I don't want to bet him top 20. I don't want to bet him top 40. Again, stressing this for anyone who's listening, the simplicity of this concept is key to make your bankroll grow at the sports book. He doesn't fucking need to win. If he's finished in the top 40 (laughs) in 16 out of 22 starts on light courses, how likely do you think it is that he's able to duplicate that success here this week? 
And that's what we're trying to do here, man. I mean, you're obviously never going to hit every single bet. But if I am looking at 20, 25, 30 starts that a guy has made in similar conditions and he's finished in the desired finishing position half of the time, if his odds are more than plus 100, that should be a positive return on investment, right? That's pretty simple math, no? No, absolutely. You know, now also like, you know, I'm looking pretty closely at all the season long stats. Fleetwood, he was, well, is so far this 21-22 season, 15th in strokes gained around the green, 45th in scrambling, 47th in bogey avoidance. And then he's also, where's my man Fleetwood on this page? He must be higher. There he is. He's 14th in sand saves and something that I thought was really interesting. He's 24th in proximity to the hole from inside a hundred yards. So that's not something that I really ever look at. And I don't think it really behooves you to look at a lot of proximity stats at a course like this, where we don't have the approach shot distributions, distribution charts like we would if they played there every single year. But man, we're talking about the balls catching the slope and running 50 yards off the green. If you can put a couple of those shots right next to the hole compared to your opponents, possibly bogeying or having a 16, 18 foot par save, dude, that's going to benefit you tremendously as far as a top 40 plays goes. Cause we're talking about one or two strokes here or there. That could be the difference. Absolutely. That's a massive concept. By the way, you, you were talking about that stroke screen approach distribution chart. Mm-hmm. Shout out to you adding that to our <laughs> Vegas page at the cut line. Yes, because you go because I, I I love that you you know what made me visit this page more the approach shot distribution chart. I'd love to see that. And boom, now it's a constant when we can provide it here at the cut line. So absolutely, thank you so much for that. So looking at any other names that you want to mention. And and I kind of want to bring up one guy because at a top 40 at plus 180, Aaron Wise yep. has my interest here as in a top 40 play, especially at those odds. Wise is on the card for me, man. I got seven top 40 plays and you just picked one of them out right there. I think Wise was in the top 10 in my stats model this week. Let me see here real quick. Wise was, oh, 13th. I mean, he's a good ball striker. Everyone knows that, right? So Wise is 30th this season in strokes gained approach, 38th in strokes gained off the tee. That's elite. But he's also 25th in bogey avoidance. So we're looking here, top 40 plays for guys that do the same thing hole after hole. 310 yards of the fairway. 150 yards to 20 feet, lag putt to 18 inches, par. The more times you can do that, the more likely it is that you're going to finish top 40 this week. Because guess what, fellas? Plus two, plus three is going to easily make top 40 in all likelihood. You know what I'm saying? So we just need you to make a bunch of pars, Aaron. I would love it. I would love it. I I love him at his price point in DFS. I know you don't play DFS house. But I love his price point there. I think he's a sneaky play. And then his odds as a top 40, plus 180. Yeah. I will take that in a heartbeat the way he's been playing this year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, 
I, it sounds to me like you're not big on the driving distance this week as a major factor. Is that true? I, I'm not, and it's not because I don't think it can't play a factor. I don't blame like, him. like, like for example, like I think Deshambo, if he were healthy, could tear this car course apart. Absolutely, like I, I really think he could, and and I'm going to play him in in DraftKings for that reason. Like in 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 lieu of not betting him, it's gonna be like three percent on exactly, probably sub that. But um, the the thing I've I've studied on this course is that. It's a thinking man's course, right? No doubt. You can club down. Like, I wouldn't be surprised. Like, everyone's saying, like, everyone's going to take out driver, take out driver, take out driver. If Tiger never took out driver this whole week, I would not be surprised if he made the cut and he finished top 20. I really yeah. wouldn't. Me neither. I know it's a way different golf course because Gil Hands came in and just completely redesigned it. But I think when Tiger won in 07, he either never pulled driver on Sunday or only hit driver a couple times on Sunday. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, so this is interesting, right? I'm not big on the driving distance this week either. I do think it's somewhat helpful. So you can use it as like a tiebreaker because if you have these really tiny, firm, and fast greens that are going to be super difficult to hit, obviously you have a much better chance of getting the ball on the green and keeping it on the green if you're coming in from 140 rather than 180, 190. So I think it's a slight advantage, but not massive. Now, they made these fairways really, really wide, right? So that would make you think, oh, we can bomb and gouge it. But dude, just because you're in the fairway doesn't mean you're in the right position. You have to be on the right side of the fairway so you have the correct angle to the pin if you're on not on the right segment or you know phase if you will of the green the ball's going to roll away from the hole yeah absolutely you can most definitely understand like the discrepancies between like being in the fairway or being accurate in the fairway within the so, fairway. like yeah. but, but but it's so different like and of course it's going to depend on pin position as well like, absolutely where's the pin everything like that. And, you know, I listen to a lot of podcasts and for a variety of reasons, one's for, you know, my own research for the guys I trust. The second is for ownership for, for projections for fanshare sports. And that's all for Absolutely. DFS. But I also listen for the gambling purpose things. And, and I know a lot of the guys that I trust within my inner circle do the same thing, but the one key thing that I noticed this week at least because it's a major is that there's going to be a narrative that everyone focuses on always. And maybe it's because I think differently than others, but I always, my first thought process is how is that narrative going to fail and who does that favor? <laughs> That's so funny. So the narrative for you is uh short game this, this week, pretty much everybody wants short game players. Short game. No, no. The narrative this week is 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 so far. Everyone wants someone who's going to bomb the ball, hit the fairway, and get a close approach shot. Yeah, and they're going to focus on that approach shot thing. I, wow. I think people. I think the other thing that people are focusing on is fade, like the really strong around the green players. Or I'm sorry, sorry, fade the really weak around the green players okay. as if they can't compete. But like I talked about this like with last year's PGA Championship, and I talked about this on the on the DFS show that I did. And you look at the discrepancy of skill sets, like of the top thirty, and it's immense. 
Like it's a major championship. People need to be coming into form. I think there's concepts of people need to be able to tackle certain difficulties on this course that they're really honed in on in their game. Absolutely. I think approach form specifically is the most important. No one's coming in here out of form and doing anything. I I don't think really you should be playing anyone who's out of form, but most importantly, we want to see guys that were gaining with their iron significantly. Like my top pick this week, just across the board is Hideki. Hideki's iron game has been absolutely unbelievable recently. And uh, some other guys whose iron play has been tremendous that I like a lot are Norin. Norin's iron play, and he's got the Oklahoma thing going for him too. I wasn't even really thinking about that. But he recently had three consecutive events where he averaged more than one stroke gain on approach per round. So 12 rounds, he averaged more than one full stroke gain per round. Alex Norton is not known really as a ball striker. So if he's going to hit the ball with his irons like that, with his short game and the familiarity with Oklahoma, I think everyone should be looking to get some investment in Norton. T40, he is in that market. I agree. I, I've been all about everyone who went to uh, Oklahoma University. I think they're all in play. Even Ricky Fowler. Ricky, I was just about to ask you. I, I like, like even Ricky Fowler. Like, why wouldn't you take the Oklahoma State boy who grew up in Oklahoma, played all his golf in Oklahoma, moved to sure. Florida, but a, a, in his Close heart, enough. in his soul, he is an Oklahoma boy. Why would Absolutely. you not play Ricky Fowler this week? It makes and no sense to me. He was T10 last year at the PGA at Kiowa, I believe. Finished third, didn't he? Yeah, but yeah, actually, I think you're right. He was either third or eighth or one of those numbers that looks like that. A couple guys were making a case for Ricky to me in the last couple of days because, you know, I've had some pretty harsh words for Ricky Fowler in the last few months. And <laughs> you guys might be onto something, man. I'd like it if he made me eat my words. I'm not super happy about Spieth making me eat my words the last couple of weeks, but I mean, it is what it is. He's a world class talent. Uh, yeah, I would. I think golf is better with a good Ricky Fowler. No, whether you love, like, whether you love, like, I think golf is better with a good Patrick Reed. Definitely, definitely. Like, I, I understand that, like, like the argument with like everyone hates Patrick Reed because of his smug attitude, yada yada yada. But to me, that's just a bunch of BS. Like, I like, me, I like him. Uh, if everyone felt the way that I felt, the guys that would annoy people would be like Spieth and, and Justine. Justine makes me want to puke on my lap whenever I see him, man. And probably my proudest moment as a father is when they showed JT putting on TV and he had on this horrific pink shirt. And my three-year-old looked at me and said, Dad, why is that guy wearing a girl shirt? I was like, yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Hate that guy. Ugh. All right. Well, that, that brings up an interesting concept. And it, it, I'm interested where you feel about Justin Thomas. People this are going to buy his number this week. And I'm curious where you stand on him. Oh, you know, a lot of people like to call Finau top 10 Tony. And there's no like cute way to say it with Justine. But he's basically becoming that guy, is he not? Like he top 10s everything, whether it's a backdoor or, uh, you know, 
coming from ahead, so to speak, where he was top 10 all week and then falls down to T9. But I definitely have uh, JT top 10 on my card this week. The easiest cash I made last week was JT top 10. It looked good from Friday afternoon on. Uh, JT was number one in both of the models that I ran, man. Like his short game this year and always, but this year specifically has been unreal. He's second in bogey avoidance this year. Like that's not something JT typically does. He's always good in every stat, but second on tour in bogey avoidance, fifth in scrambling, also fifth in strokes gained approach. That's, you know, par for the course for him. Also sixth in sand save percentage. And we were talking about this with Fleetwood. He's number one on tour in proximity from inside 100 yards. I don't think anyone would have guessed that. If I said, who do you think's number one in proximity from inside 100, would you have thought JT? I would not have thought JT, but I would not be surprised. Sure. And the only reason, and the only reason I would be surprised is because he's so inaccurate off the tee to where, <laughs> like, okay, that makes sense because he's doing it a lot. Right. Yeah, man. Um, but – does that come into play this weekend, right? Like does missing the tee into Bermuda grass and granted, it won't be like thick fescue four inches. It'll no. be like what? Two, two and a half. It's still going to cause yeah. issues in approach. Like. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, moving on. Okay. you We're going to backtrack a little bit and you kind of mentioned like recent form. Yeah. Um, so granted, I'm only looking at like, for example, last year's PGA championship. Um, and we're going to look at like guys who finished in the top 30, like Brooks Kepka missed the cut last year before the 18th, like he missed the cut to Byron Nelson. Okay. He finished top 30. You look at someone like Patrick Cantley missed the cut to Wells Fargo last year, but then finished top 30 at, at the, in, in the PGA championship, someone like Tony Finau. Mm. Finau last year missed the cut at the Wells Fargo entering the PGA championship. Matt Fitzpatrick missed the cut at the AT&T Byron Nelson. I can go on and on with a list of guys who finished top 30 last year at the PGA championship. To be careful how do you, Well, yeah, exactly. I'm asking you for the listeners, how do you take that into account or do you just not validate it as, as, as like a viewable stat, or do you actually go further in depth and look at more than what is appearing on like the standings? Absolutely. Yeah. There's more than meets the eye, so to speak. So I'm glad you mentioned Fitz there. He missed the cut at the Byron Nelson last year prior to the PGA, the Byron Nelson in a major championship. The only thing they really have in common is that they're both golf. Like they are two completely different events and Fitz is pretty much the ultimate grinder, right? So him missing the cut at a birdie fest like Byron Nelson does not deter me from betting him at all. Now, if he had missed the cut at a more difficult event, like say the Wells Fargo, for example, right before the PGA, that would be more of a cause for concern. So some of this knowledge is somewhat inherent, right? So you know uh, Fitz is more of a short game, par is a good score type of player, and someone like, I don't know, say Burns, 
is more of a guy who's going to excel in a birdie fest. So if a guy did poorly on a course that does not suit his game, that really does not deter me from betting him that next week. Does that make sense? You follow me there? No, it does. It does. But I, I want to make sure that everyone grasps your opinion, especially with how successful you've been. <laughs> like, that's what I want to focus on here for everyone who's listening. I want to make sure that, like, like you make a shit ton of money off this. Yeah, we definitely don't lose money. That's for sure. And it's free. It's free for everyone to follow you and be a part of. You know, man. It's highway think, robbery for, for uh, people who are not. Like, like if you're not following at House Money 16, what the fuck are you doing? Why are you not doing this? You might be averse to volume gambling because I do like diversify my risk. But in doing so, I some people would say overexpose myself. I've got seven, eight top 40 bets, seven, eight top 20 bets, you know, four to six outright bets, somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 first round leader bets. So basically the feedback that I get from people that's negative is that, dude, I can't bet all this because I don't have enough money. You follow me? Well, so they I get- can't. They can. They just need to manage their units better. Like, yes. I'm sorry. If, if you if you have $20, you got to take 5% of that $20 and you got to bet your five cents. Good luck with yeah. that, but still, but that's yeah, what you got to do. All, but right. Yeah. Bankroll management. I talk to people about that all the time. That's probably the main problem that the average or novice gambler has. You should have a bankroll and your unit shop size should be equivalent to 2% of that bankroll. So if you have a $200 bankroll, your unit size is $4, buddy. You know, like you, so you're making eight, $10 bets, but dude, if you're making 40 of them, you've got several hundred dollars in play. You know what I mean? So you've got to watch that. You never want to bet more than your total bankroll. We're going down a tangent now, though. Yeah. All right. Let's let's go to the top 20, and we'll do this real quick, and, and then we'll end things and wrap things up. I, I already know you're on decky here in the top 20. Hell yeah. Um, I'm sure you probably got him at a better number where he's at right now at plus 120. But one guy I want to mention and see where you feel on him is, is Louis at Louis. plus 220. That's a great you, number. That's a great number for a guy who always tends to compete at these major events, especially top 20. Always. You know, Louis for me right now is a long-term fade. I've talked about this a little bit, and uh, I just think his head's not in it right now. It just doesn't look like he really wants to be there. And that is totally subjective and completely unquantifiable. But man, I feel like we see this with athletes sometimes, not just golfers, guys who have been somewhat obscure, known, solid pros who have one or two unbelievable seasons make millions and millions of dollars of life changing money. Now they're not quite as focused as they were before. So now they have all this money to buy this fancy farm equipment and shit. Now he's got other hobbies. <laughs> you know, like Tiger Woods didn't have any other hobbies, man. You know what I'm saying? Michael Jordan didn't have any other hobbies. So that kind of stuff concerns me. And again, totally unquantifiable and like inherent type of knowledge. But for me, Louie right now is just a long-term fate. He's going to have to show me. If he shows me one time, if he shows me this week that he's in the right mind space to compete at, you know, at the highest level in an elite field, I'll get back on him in a second, but this week, no. 
All right. So top 20 bets. Who do you got? Top 20. Let's give me your see. Top, give me your top three. Okay. So Xander, man, I really like Xander. And also. I completely agree. I completely yeah, agree with you. If you're going to give me a plus money bet on Xander top 20 in a major, I'm betting it. You know, like you're talking about how often he finishes inside the top 20. Let's see what it was for Xander. 11 out of 20 starts on light courses in the last five, six years. And we're talking top 20. So it's easier for Fleetwood to do 16 for 22 because you're talking top 40, right? So T36, T33 is good. But for Xander, T24 would not count towards that 11 for 20. But uh, yeah, I like Xander a lot, top 20. And then I, we mentioned him a few times, but I don't think I said specifically, I really, really like Fitzpatrick. That might go without saying, since I'm really leaning hard into the uh, short game angle. But Fitzpatrick on MGM, where they pay ties in full, guys. No dead heat rules. If you have access to MGM, all of your top 20 bets should be on MGM. Uh, he was plus 150. Plus 150 when, top 20. Do you do you realize how often I was talking about MGM when they were paying out ties on first round leader? Mm-hmm. I was like, make all your bets on first round leader and MGM. There, there's no reason you should go everyone else. But MGM, love the work they do for PGA. There's so much advantage doing it there. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. There is indeed. And they've got the first round leader top five bets. So they're definitely my favorite book. No question about it. All right. And then last pick for the top 20. Last pick, Corey Connors. Okay. Corey Connors kind of goes against my narrative of short game players, but there's not a lot of courses where they have these tightly mowed areas around the green. Of course, one of them is Augusta. And Connors has not only putted very well at Augusta the last couple appearances, but he's ga- he gained more than a stroke per round around the greens and this most recent edition of the Masters. I think most people know this, but it's kind of nuts just to say it out loud. Corey Connors, top 10 in the last three Masters tournaments. Is that crazy or what? It's not crazy. And it, it's something that kicked my ass Every time the Masters ends, that why didn't I bet him top <laughs> Why didn't I bet Connors? Yeah. Oh, I bet him, man. I bet. And what is it? It's T6, T8, T10. That, that's that's nuts, man. And first-round leader, Corey Connors, guys. Connors, Henley, usual candidates, Varner. All right, we're going we're gonna to end this now, but you got to pick one winner, regardless of odds. Who are you taking? And then lastly, what do you think is going to happen with Tiger this weekend? Hideki is definitely my pick. Three times I bet him this year outright. He won two of those golf tournaments. So I'm, I'm like with my, you. I got those two outrights. I'm with you. I like my chances. What's Tiger going to do? I think he should do like you mentioned a while ago, and he should club down off the tee, try to stay on the correct side of the fairway, aim for the middle of the correct quadrant, and just take his medicine, try to – you know, take as many 30, 40 foot putts within a few feet and uh, make the cut. Dude, honestly, I'm not going to bet it, but I think a T40 bet on Tiger would make sense. I, I think gun to my head, he finishes inside the top 50, somewhere between T35 and T50. Just letting you know, I already placed that bet. Did you? Because he's played here so much in the last three weeks. Yeah, man. 
Yeah, so I don't gotta take advantage of that. All right, House Money at six. Or sorry, at House Money sixteen on Twitter. Yes, Jeff, sir. You rocked it. Thank you so much for being part of the cut line. Yes, Hope sir. Hope to see you in the future. Great My work, pleasure, man. man. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Let's win some money this week. Let's do it. Yes, Later. sir. All you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That'll do it for the PGA Championship Gambling Show. Great work, House Money. Awesome work, Jeff. Really appreciate the effort that you put into this week's show. Let's smash and cash this weekend, boys and girls. House Money says you can do it, so can I. See you at the top of the leaderboard. Later. Later.